Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. As I was previously saying, we've been speaking on the spiritual disciplines. And next coming weeks, the rest of the ministers will be giving their their take on these spiritual disciplines as well. And thank you, Angela, for telling everyone, because we, we here. <laughs> because today I'm gonna speak about generosity. Okay, that's one of the spiritual disciplines, in case you didn't know it. And let me, I got a lot of scriptures right here for you, so if, I'm, if you miss it, don't worry, we can go back and you can catch it on the uh, podcast. But it's important that you understand this. I'm just, I want to open y'all up with this, and I'll be reading from the ESV. It's Matthew 6 and 31. It's okay, the children are fine. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I want you to keep that in mind, because... As you're practicing these spiritual disciplines, these are part of seeking the kingdom. And when you seek the kingdom, God will add things to you. So it's very important that I stress to you, and I just want to encourage you to really pick up on these spiritual disciplines that we're speaking of as you're seeking the kingdom. Amen? So with that in mind, we're going to talk about being a generous generation. What does that mean, being a generous generation? Well, let me, let me first give you the definition of the word generous. Generous means showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. An example of that could simply be if you go to the barber shop, tip your barber. If you go get your hair done, tip your hairstylist. If you go out to eat, tip the waitress. We often say if you can't afford the tip to go out, then don't go out. And I know in the past year, we've all been stuck in the house, so I know everyone has tried Uber Eats or DoorDash or, or pizza delivery. You tip the delivery person. That's part, of, that's part of it. And also means showing kindness towards others. Just uh, simply yesterday, I'll use that yesterday for an example. We was out shoveling snow, and neighbors were actually helping neighbors shovel some snow, and that's an act of kindness, even to a point where I know a couple weeks ago when I was trying to go take the boys to school and I'm coming out the house and as I'm going to my car, my neighbor, her car, it wasn't starting so I knew it was coming and I didn't have a problem with it and she asked me, can you give me a jump? And that took like two, three minutes, helped her out and we was on our way. So things like that, that's also being generous when you show acts of kindness. And therefore, generosity, when it comes to generosity, that's, that's actually having an abundance and a willingness to give. Let me say that again. Generosity is having an abundance and a willingness to give. So you have to have in order to give, which is why God says be the lender, not the borrower. So even if you have something and you're not willing to give it, obviously that's not generosity. And if you don't have something but you're willing to give, that's not generosity either. You need, when they work together, that's when you have generosity. So understand that because it's about to get... About to go deeper into this. Amen? So listen to this. I know y'all may not know this, but did you know that we are actually designed to give the way God created us? 
not the only reason why he created us, but we are designed to give. And what does that look like? Well, I was studying this. I was looking at some of these words like generosity, generation, genetics, genes, genesis. And I noticed, and there's a whole lot more words. And I noticed and they all have like this, the same root, G-E-N. And I was, I'm just like, what's the connection with all of this? And it simply means a common start or a common beginning or a kind of something. Therefore, that's how you go. Not to get too deep into linguistics, but that's how you get Genesis, the common start, and a kind of something. So I thought about it, and I said, okay, what happened in Genesis, and how does this pertain to giving? Well, when God made Adam, he did what? He, he blew breath into him. So he gave Adam life. So he gave him part of himself into Adam and gave Adam life. It gets deeper than that. When we're talking about a generous generation, you can't even start the next generation without daddy giving his genetic code and mommy giving her genetic code to start the next generation. There's children in here. Genetic code from mommy, genetic code from daddy. You get the next generation. And even when that happens, what happens next? Once the next generation starts, you give it a name. You give the child a name. And they take that name with them throughout life. Even if they become famous and change their name, the birth certificate says what the name is. And it gets even more deeper. In a traditional wedding sense, when the bride gets married, she can't get married unless the father gives the bride away or someone gives the bride away. And that's just simply saying he's given the responsibility of his daughter over to the husband. And we give throughout life. And even when you die, I don't know if you noticed this, but you're still required to give when you die. How do I know this? Because in Proverbs 13, it says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Or a woman, too. You can leave an inheritance for your children's children. So, so we're just designed to give. So you really can't get away from it. Because even when you think you're not giving, you're still giving. And that's how we're going to think about having a generous generation and produce generous generations. Is everybody with me this morning? Okay. There's all... This, as it pertains to this, also, there's a, a Christian author by the name of Randy Alcorn, and he says that giving is the good life. He says you can have purpose, joy, and even abundance through giving. And he just speaks about all these examples of how people gave, and they filled them with so much joy that they kept giving, and they're living an abundant life. And some people don't understand that because, as Angel said, we live in a society where everyone just wants to get something real fast, get and get. And God says, hold up. You know, you keep getting and getting, but you may, that may not be fulfilling to you. It's more fulfilling to give. So not to get too ahead of myself, but when you get, you should give more, and then your life will be fulfilled. And that's a, a cycle you want to keep going. All right, we all? Okay. That was my part, that was my part two extended intro. <laughs> and... I'm going to tell you right now, we got four points about generosity. I mean, there's probably maybe more, but I'm going to kid on these four key points when it comes to generosity. So let me um, start this off. Point number one, why should we be a generous generation? Yeah, Frank, why should we be a generous generation? Blessings from God. You receive blessings from God. If you look over in Acts 20:35. It says right here, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, 
we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that, I mean, I can't, no, nothing to argue about. It's nothing to really debate. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And even if you, also, if you look at 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, it'll tell you, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. See, God is a multiplier of what we give. P.D. always says he's a great mathematician. And we're just a, this proves it right here. God will multiply what we give. So also, if you, if you look even further, look at this. In Proverbs eleven twenty four. it says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Let me make that plain to you. God will add to or he will subtract from. When you give, he will add more to what you're giving. But if you're not giving, you're going to start having lack in life. And you're going to start having wants. And, and you're like, wait a minute, how come I don't have this or that? You're not giving anything. But when you give, God will add to it. And I know a lot of you are probably saying, yeah, but I know scriptures. I know Philippians 4 and 19, which says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Yes, and you can confess that, you can profess that, because it's absolutely true. And if you say that and you're still not, you're, you still see no supplies for your needs, that's not God lying, that's not the Bible being wrong, that's on you. And the reason why that's on you is because you haven't looked at the verses previous to that. So look what it says to that before you get to verse 19. If you go to Philippians 4, verse 15, it says, this is Paul talking. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Then even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. And I am well supplied, having received from Epidotus, I know I messed that name up, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So basically that's saying you have to do something first in order for God to, to do that, fulfill that. They gave to his ministry. This is why he said, okay, you gave, God will, will supply all your needs. And he wasn't seeking the gifts. He said, I'm seeking the fruit. So basically what he was saying was, I want you to be blessed from giving to, to my ministry. Are you with me on this? Yeah. All, right, let's, all right, let's look at this. We often say this, and we said it this morning, and this is absolutely true. Don't ever cliche this. Take this serious. God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver. And we're going to always say that and always continually say God loves a cheerful giver. It's 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. This is what he says. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as his, he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And even in the King James, it says, uh, do not give grudgingly or out of necessity. See, whatever we honor in God, be cheerful with it. But whenever we're given to others, as far as generosity is concerned, be cheerful with that as well. 
I'm starting to realize what I've been realizing for a while. Like some people try to, I guess, try to fake it or not be authentic with it. Like, have you ever seen someone shake somebody's hand with one hand and stab them in the back with the other, or smile in their face and they're lying or they're trying to replace them and do some backstabbing? Or even a hug, like people even actually, they try to, to fake a hug and there's no authenticity in the hug. And I'm like, that is really, that's really, that's really off. When you hug someone, it's supposed to be genuine. But not everyone is doing that. And I was thinking about this when you show someone love. Like, we're here in church now. I know it's COVID, but we say, give you, show your neighbor some love, and you give them a hug. And I'm like, yeah, that should be authentic. But it's not always that way. And now that I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, I remember that time in that movie Juice. Wait, y'all, y'all saw Juice, right? If y'all, did, if y'all didn't see Juice, it'll be on BET. It's a Tupac movie with Omar Epps. But the point is, it's about four friends. There was four friends, and they was all in, they was in the house, and they had gone to a, uh, and the uh, Bishop and GQ, played by Tupac and Omar Epps, they got into a little fight, and the crew broke it up, and they broke it up. They said, all right, squash the beef. And if you notice, when Bishop's character went to go hug GQ, he hugged him, but he rolled his eyes. Did you see that? Did you notice that? He rolled his eyes, so, but he gave him a hug, but, and spoiler alert, later on in the movie, when, they're at the funeral. Bishop goes to hug the, the mother of the son he just killed at the funeral. And when he went to go hug her, he was staring down GQ with an ice cold stare. So why am I bringing this up? Just to talk about the movie Juice? <laughs> no. But because in those two incidents, even though Bishop was appearing to be showing love or giving love, he wasn't. He hugged GQ grudgingly because he really didn't want to do it. So that's why he rolled his eyes when he did it. And then later on, when he hugged the mother at the funeral, he did that out of necessity because he's, like, he's saying to himself, well, I am at the funeral, and it is the mother, and he gave it a hug. But those weren't authentic. And I'm saying that, and he, and he met a, a fate at the end of the movie. And I say that because God does not want us to give like that. Don't, even though it appears that you are giving, if your heart isn't in it, it's not going to work. So God says, no, give cheerfully. All right. Point number two, why should we be a generous generation? Well, healing and protection. I didn't realize that even until I started reading this, and I was like, oh, snap. We could be healed and protected and actually have purpose. Look at this. Call me to Isaiah 58, 7 and 8. And this gets, this gets deep. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. What is all that saying? That is saying when you see someone who needs something, don't leave them hanging. And more specifically right here where it says not hide yourself from your own flesh. It's talking about your own family, your relatives. Like don't ignore people that need something that's in your family or in your community. And it's just saying if you you will help them out, your healing shall spring up speedily. See, some of us are not being healed quickly or are still maybe sick because we're just ignoring those in our own families that need help 
And some of my family still may be messed up because we're not looking out for each other like we used to. Whether it's being our own family, our own community in this nation. I mean, as you can see, the world, the world has a sickness and is, I don't know, maybe the sickness can, we'll be able to heal faster if more people looked out for one another. Like, instead of just ignoring when we see someone with no food or no place to live, things of that nature. But God says when, <clears throat> when you take care of these situations, your, speeding will come, your healing will come speedily and righteousness will be before you and, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard so you have all this protection and everything and see the righteousness just from helping people out. And with that being said, <clears throat> excuse me, there are other ways to give and to be generous to people besides money. You don't always have to, it's not always dollars and cents when we're talking about this. Look at Acts 3 and 6. And now, I'll set this up. I'll preface this with this. Uh, there was a beggar in the town, and he was lame, so he couldn't walk. And so what happened a lot of times before <clears throat> they start the temple service, they would, people would bring him in front of the temple, and he would stand in front of the temple and ask him for alms, they called the alms, you know, help, money. And people going into the temple would give them some money, give them some alms, help them out. And so John and Peter were walking, and they saw him. He saw, they saw him, they saw them too, and this is what happened. Because he was expecting something from them. And if you look in verse, verse 6, well, you go, well, look at verse 4, look at verse 4. And Peter directed, Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said look at us and he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them but Peter said I have no silver and gold but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and see the guy was expecting something from them like gold or silver or what have you and all he did was lay hands on them and he healed them see this is this is fully um got to understand this you can be generous to people and help other people without, as I said, dollars and cents. There's many other ways you can do that. I got a short list here. There's probably other ways, but I'll give you like a couple of a uh, couple examples of how you can give without actually giving money all the time. Uh, encouragement, healing, donating, whether it be food, clothes, or toys. Uh, giving phone calls, time, prayer. Gifts like, such as at birthdays or baby showers, uh, simply helping pe others and simply giving back to the community. These are all ways you can give that doesn't always require dollars and cents. Uh, when it comes to encouragement, I mean, encouragement is a big deal. I remember Angel was in school trying to finish up her doctorate, and every time she would come to me, like, this, is, this is a lot. This is a lot of work. But, and I said, look, you've been doing this since you was 18, 20 years old in college, and you finished all the school and you got your license and your degrees and you, all your jobs, you've been doing this. I said, you know what you're doing. You got this. It's, they just want you to read this and all you have to do is answer the questions. And through that encouragement, it helped her and she finished and became a doctor. And so, that's, so your encouragement, believe it or not, goes a long way. You could also uh, talk about healing, yes. When you heal, listen, when you give someone some healing, don't just say, be healed in Jesus' name. That's lazy. I mean, talk, when you want to really heal someone, uh, give them actual uh, scriptural prayers about healing and, and let their 
whatever the uh, situation is, I don't know, but pray over that specific situation so that Jesus can heal them and they shall live and not die and God will heal their wounds and restore their health. And you can even give them some scriptures <laughs> and say, hey, take these scriptures with you and use that. Uh, even like I say, donating food and clothes, I'm pretty sure everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people know we, one time, Angel, she had to, con had to change my conviction because the boys had so many clothes and I got mad one day and I said, they got too many clothes because they can't even fit their piggy banks on their dresser. And she said, no, they don't have too many clothes, they're just blessed. And so we started giving some clothes to other people that needed them, even here at KLM. And we started doing that and we started getting even more clothes coming back to us. <laughs> so, so it's just a matter of organizing, but we give to others, to friends, we give to, we gave the lupus a couple of times, we gave to clothing drops, we even gave toys here. And this past year, in the past couple of years, I know here at KLM, we've given out turkeys at around Thanksgiving time. So these are just other simple ways, well it's not, well it's not, I'm saying simple, but there's other ways besides always giving money you can give to others and show your generosity. Amen? I mean there was even times where we knew a family that, that lost furniture in the fire and we gave them a bed. I mean, just stuff like that. So, let so think about that when you when you're giving. It's not always you don't always have to dig into your wallets per se. Even I mean, you may buy the gifts, but understand where I'm, understand where your heart is at. And even uh, as I said, birthdays or a baby shower. <laughs> First baby shower was the three wives and bringing Jesus, frankincense, mirth, and gold. Right, so. So always think of other ways to give. And I said, always show acts of kindness as well and giving back to the community. I don't uh, volunteer coaching or something. I don't know. Or just <laughs> there's other things you can do within your community where you can give back. Amen? All right, let's move on. Point number three. Why should we be a generous generation? God gives rewards. Yes, God gives rewards. Listen, listen to this. Proverbs 19 and 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Mm. See, it's, it's, it's in black and white. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So when you give them to the poor, it's like you're giving to, to the Lord. And he sees that, and he will reward you for it. Keep that in mind. And also, 1 John. First John, not regular John. First John 3 and 16, look what it says. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's, how does God's love abide in him? What is that saying? That saying is, don't say you have God in your heart and you see others struggling and you just ignore it and not help them. That doesn't make God say no. That's not. If you have, if you really have me in your heart, you will help others. You will help your brothers. And this actually reminded me of a situation where I was in college, and like this is back in. I'm not gonna date myself, but I was back in college, and <laughs> and so there's one particular afternoon, and my my school is in the middle of a city, so there's you take two steps off the campus and you. In the elements, 
And this one particular time, I, I wanted to get a Subway sandwich. And the Subway sandwich, and the Subway restaurant was about two blocks from the campus where my dorm was. Now my dorm's not there right now because they replaced it with a brand new track and field, praise God. And, but I wanted the Subway sandwich this particular day. And, it was about two, and I didn't feel like going on campus to eat because they got places there too. But I said, no, I'm just go over here to the Subway about two blocks is from the dorm. However, between my dorm and the subway is a highway. And under the highway was a lot of homeless people sometimes are there. You know, we see them a lot. And this particular one time, so I, I was by myself and I'm like, now remember, I'm in college, so I don't, I'm not got all this money. I'm you know, kind of on the budget. But I wanted the subway sandwich. So as I'm walking towards the subway sandwich, I come under the bridge and there's a homeless guy there. And he approached me, and as soon as he approached me, he said, excuse me, brother. And as soon as he said, excuse me, brother, I said, oh, he got me now. You can call me brother. <laughs> so he told me situations. I think I slipped him $2 or something. And I went about my business. And where the Subway restaurant was, there was a convenience store, the Subway restaurant, and I think a laundromat and a little strip mall. So I went in, ordered my food, said, OK, I'm going to go back to campus and eat. So as I'm coming out, I seen the same homeless dude coming out of the convenience store. But when you go to school, well, you live in the South, you can actually buy alcohol in the convenience store. <laughs> so he came out of the store with a brown bag, and he had it turned up and started drinking it. And I was like, I was like, wait a minute. I just give this dude money to go buy a 40 ounce? Like, and it, it messed me up. And I'm not saying all homeless people are alcoholics or drug addicts. I'm just saying in that situation, that's what I was like, oh my goodness, I just, get, I just helped this dude get something to drink. And I wish I had known about Acts 3 and 6, because I wouldn't have gave him any money. I would have gave him maybe a sandwich or a cup of coffee or some water or some fruit or something else. Are you understanding? So that, that, had, that had bothered me for a while. So over time, I said, okay, you know what? If, if that situation comes again, I'll, I may have an alternative now. Now, that, yeah, now, if you're driving your car and someone comes to you, you know, you want to give them some change or, I mean, understand your situation. But just keep in mind that you don't always have to give money in that situation. You can buy them something to eat. And that just leads me to this little side note that's, not, not really a side note, but it's something we need to really think about. Listen to this. Because this is going to mess you up and you might, don't get mad at me, but listen to this. <laughs> Second Thessalonians 3 and 10, this is going to help you out because we've been talking about giving and being generous all morning. This is going to help you out. Second Thessalonians 3 and 10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Let me say it again. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work but busy bodies. Such, now such persons we command and encourage in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Let me say this. We are not to meet everybody's needs. And this is why, because if they're not willing to work, God said you're not never required to meet their need. And I know, but, but Frank, you just said if you see people that's struggling and they need this and they, they need help with that and this, yes, give and be generous. But I'm saying to you, there are certain situations in where we're not to meet everyone's need. 
let me let me tell you to you like this. See, God doesn't want us to be an enabler or a crutch yeah. or to be counterproductive, so to speak. Listen to this. There was a time where I knew an individual would come to me and ask me for money, and I would give it to them because they had a car. So I'm like, oh, okay, gas money, no problem. And this happened a couple times. And then I started noticing this individual was asking me for money, but they ain't have a car no more. So I'm like, well, this ain't gas money I'm giving you. And I put two and two together, and I realized, oh, he had a situation. And what I was doing, I was being counterproductive. I was, in, I was he had a need for a fix, and I was giving him the need for the fix. I was enabling. And once I realized that, I stopped doing it. Because that wasn't, that wasn't helping him, you understand? And also, you don't want to be a crutch as well. What do you mean by that? If there's a certain individual or people who always, every, every time you see them, they're always like, I'm in a jam, I need this, I need help with this, I need help with this, I need this. It's like every time you see them, they're always in a state of needing this. And he's like, wait a minute. Every time I see you, you always going through, like we all in the same situation, like we all got to go through. What are you doing? And I'm not talking about people who lost, job, lost jobs because of COVID or the economy or they're disabled. I'm talking about people that just sit on the couch and want to freeload and have their hand out. And when they see you, they know, oh, I can get some money from so-and-so or they can help me out. And they're not doing anything for themselves. And God is saying, you're not, you're not to meet that need. Right there, he said, you don't work, you don't eat because it's counterproductive. And you're not helping them to get rid of their laziness. You're keeping them in their laziness. Don't we understand it? So, and listen, if you tell them no, they might get mad at you. It's okay. They get mad, you might just quote Notorious B.I.G. and tell them, don't be mad, UPS is hiring. You got to tell them. I mean, that's how it goes sometimes. And so, and they, get, they might get, they probably will get mad, but look, this is the word says, God's trying to protect you. He wants you to give, but he also wants, you to, wants to protect you in your giving. Sometimes you got to tell them, just give them, like I said, it's not always dollars and cents to give them. Amen? Amen. All right, let's, uh, oh, point number four. Why should we be a generous generation? Because your blessings will go farther. Come with me to, um, let me see, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, Proverbs 3 and 9. Look what it says in Proverbs 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Once again, God is telling you he's a multiplier. He's going to extend things and, and really fill up some things for you in life. I'm going to talk about blessings going further. And I know you've all seen this, and you heard about this, watched it on TV. We've all seen examples of celebrities, entertainers, professional athletes, Wealthy people who always give to certain charities, certain organizations, institutions, or certain causes or movements, and they're always giving, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I know a lot of times when they give to these organizations, institutions, or even sometimes I'll watch a, a game shows that have the celebrities on the game, and they're like, oh, yeah. When I win this money, I'm going to donate to this charity or that charity. All that is fine and well and dandy. But my thing is, when we just read Proverbs 3 and 9, God is saying, 
give to him first. You see, some people ignore that part and they think they're doing the right thing just by giving to all these other organizations and institutions, but they're not giving to God. And God says, give to him first. See, they're actually out of order when they do that. And that could lead to bad intentions, it could lead to greed, selfishness. Think about it. Because not everybody who gives these organizations do it for the right reasons. Let's, let's just be real. Some people only give so they can get, have a tax write-off. Or some people only give so that their name will be on that building that they gave money to, put their name on the library. And some people only give so they can get that Humanitarian of the Year award. Nothing wrong with any of those things, but if your heart is, but your heart may be in the wrong spot. You understand? And this could lead, this could lead to something that Angel said earlier about falling victim to scams and things of that nature. God has said, give to him first. And then you can give to all these other charities and institutions. Let me explain this to you. This, uh, call me to Mark 6 and 41. It's a very popular scripture. So popular, in fact, that this restaurant's named after it. I know because I ate there before one time. But just let me give you the backdrop. This is when Jesus was preaching to the people, to the masses. It was getting late. And they started getting hungry. Because you know church folk, you preach to them too long, they're going to get hungry. So, so let's, uh, this was happening. So let's help me up to uh, verse 36. It says, send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they have found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by the hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and two fish, this is Jesus doing this, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So you ain't got to tell me what color Jesus is. I know what color Jesus was. I know what color Jesus is. All this fish... All this bread, all these people. If that ain't a fish fry, I don't know what is. It's clear. And look, the Bible doesn't say it, but I'm pretty sure somebody in the crowd has some hot sauce. But this is how, this is what it is. And but to be but look what happened though. Look seriously what happened. They could have fed a couple of families with two fish and five loaves. Could have fed no, yeah, a couple of families could have fed that with it. But look, look, look what they did. They gave it to Jesus first. And when Jesus got his hands on it, it is, they didn't just feed a couple of families. They fed thousands. So what am I saying to you right now is we give to God first, he, can, he will expand it. And that just got me thinking. I was like, well, wait a minute. What if everyone who was given to the children's cancer, how many more children could be treated for cancer if everyone who gave gave to God first? Or how many more people could be educated when they give to the National Negro College Fund if they gave to God first? 
Or how many more families could be fed through the Red Cross if everyone who gave to the Red Cross gave to God first? You see, you can bless others, but when you give to God first, you can bless more than you can possibly imagine. Are y'all, you understand what, once again, the great multiplier. And that not only works when you give them to others, but even in your own home. Y'all remember the, the widow in Zarephath in 1 Kings 17, where she was out gathering stuff for her and her son because they was about to die, so she's about to get make one last cake. He's going to eat it and die. And Elijah, who was sent from God, he was representing God, came by and he was going to help him out. And he was like, okay, make my cake first and give it to me. And she was like, wait, this is all we have left. We're going to eat it and die. There's nothing left. There's a famine. He said, no, make it and give it to me first. So she made it, gave it to him first. And we'll pick it up in, where is it at? We'll go to, that's the backdrop of it. So we'll just go to, first, we'll start from verse 14. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of, of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. See, she would have ate for that one day. But because she gave to Elijah, who was representing God at that time, they ate for many days. So what am I saying? I'm saying when you give to God first, your blessings <laughs> will go much farther than you can than you thought they could go. So let me end it off with this. Why should we be a generous generation? Because you all know John 3.16, am I right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to that again. God gave one son, and he's still reaping multitudes of souls. Let that sink in. So when we give, we are able to receive blessings and blessings and blessings just from us giving. And giving from the heart. We give from the heart, there's joy there, there's a willingness there, there's a purpose there. You could be fulfilled and people could see like, how can you be so happy when you're always giving? Well, that's because you understand sowing and reaping and you understand that, that this giving has purpose and there's joy in it. And so you can actually give and receive blessings and be fulfilled and have a and live the good life. Amen? Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you for these people. I pray that this word got to the people. They understood this word. They will take this word with them. And they will apply it to their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.